Ticket Snubs, episode two, we're back. You didn't think you, we would be back, but we are, because we we are back. Right. We got the same crew, John Giffy Gofardo. Hello. We got Cam. Hey. We got Rayma. Rayma. Rayma? Hello. Oh, uh, we do have Rayma. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, we have Andres. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. And we have me, famous YouTube, yo, it's PJO. Now, before we get started into today's debate, which is mid-90s <laughs> versus Ladybird, Rayma versus Cam, we're going to talk about John's recommendation from last week. Now, John, what was your recommendation from last week? Can you explain it just a little bit? I recommended A Ghost Story, which is a movie that I very much enjoy. Uh, it's from 2015. It stars Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck, directed by David Lowry, who you might know from Pete's Dragon, the very boring live-action Disney movie. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, but here, while it might be boring to others, I found it extremely intriguing and quite deep, and I hope you guys all had the same opinion that I did. So I would love to hear what you guys thought about the film. I'll start off. I found some parts to be a little dragged out, but that did not bother me because David Lynch, I'm a big fan of him. He does the same thing, so it did not bother me. I found it to be very intriguing. I was drawn into every scene. The ending kind of crushed me a little bit, Mm -hmm. but that's all right. I enjoyed it. Well, um, I have a quick question for you. So you say you find some parts a little off-putting and dragging and such, which I I can agree with you there. But given the context of the film and the way that time is talked about and considered through the minds of the characters in the film, do you think your opinion would change at all? Time is considered very relative in the film, and it doesn't really have a solidified meaning. So the way we're watching these shots keep going and watching Rimara eat pie for eight and a half minutes, like... (sighs) It might seem off-putting to some, but with the context of the film, does it change your opinion at all? Yeah, if I rewatched it, I'd probably think that. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was kind of boring, like, for the first half, especially, because the way that the film is edited, it makes you feel very uncomfortable when it cuts, right? Because you just get very comfortable in, like, the mood of every shot, and then when it cuts, like, oh... I have to like readjust myself, but yeah, like I think once Rooney Mara exits the film, you kind of sort of realize like, oh, okay, many years have probably passed by now. So it's like it's not like you know a more of a linear thing. It's more like, more like every scene could possibly take place in between months of each other, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've never thought like that. You know, like spectator perspective of watching it, like you you're just there with Casey Affleck as the ghost watching stuff happen, and then like you start to realize that's more about an existential journey than anything. Like I thought it was gonna be like like. Ghost with Patrick Swayze, where Casey. Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> right, I, I, that's what I thought it was gonna be, but it really wasn't. Come the um the scene where she hooks up with another guy and then she leaves. I'm like, oh, this is like nothing what I expected at all. And I thought, yeah, that was sad. By the end of it, it just kind of like became this, this perfect sphere of a film. It's just it works in its own vacuum. Like if you know what you're mm-hmm. gonna do, it's it's really good. I'm not I gonna agree. lie, I was. I, I mean, the ending completely crushed me. But oh, yeah. the part that, like, I legitimately, like, gasped was when both of the houses were torn down and the ghosts went, I they guess they're not coming back. Me. And he just, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, I'm getting chills right now. Like, I'm literally getting chills just thinking about it. I, I was like, oh, my God. Sure. Yeah. I think that's interesting because I found myself more invested in the first half of the movie than the second half. Um, did I. 
Just because you can see the way that it's slowly crumbling, but also that they still have that connection they, that they do want to be together. And you can see the toll it has on him on the fact that they're moving. But once he like dies and everything, I slowly started losing more interest more so when the Hispanic family moved in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was like really confused, but like the pie scene really threw me off. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I then realized it was just a coping mechanism. Yeah, just as grieving. You watch her yeah. as you watch her eat. You can see her emotion and her body language take control. Mm-hmm. But I lost interest towards the middle. Yeah, and then the ending happened. I think I picked. I got regained interest when he like jumps off the building and he's brought back to when the house was first built. And mm. the slow cuts of of the skeleton was really like what got me and then it shows the beginning of their relationship and then once he gets the letter he just completely like you know he moves on to the afterlife so i thought that was i that made me cry not gonna lie yeah i agree with you with the beginning of the film being much more enjoyable i i think it's fantastic altogether but i do enjoy the first hour a lot more um my biggest negative in the film is the scene where the guy is at the table and he's explaining yes, yes. the point of the movie. Now, mm. I, I love what they're saying, and I love that scene, and it's extremely well done, but I'm already getting all of that from watching the movie. Yeah. So to have a character explain it to me kind of felt like they were just dumbing it down for audiences that weren't really paying too much attention. And that's probably my really only negative with the film, to be honest. It's really Wait, I didn't think it was like overly pandering. I just thought, like, oh, okay. I mean, it's not offensive. I don't honestly see the scene as like offensive to. Yeah, um, I didn't see it like that either. It to be offensive, I just thought the film itself goes without saying all those stuff. Like you can watch yeah. it and take yeah, it away yeah, from yeah, it. Yeah, it was kind of pointless. Yeah. The table scene. It's like one of those things you add after like a test screening where everybody walks out really confused. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's how I think. like. I really wouldn't be surprised if that's actually the case. Because yeah, it's something that's I don't true. think Casey Affleck was really even in it, so it's like yeah, he actually was the ghost though, I, which is actually pretty surprising. Yeah, like and Rooney is my favorite actress, so she did fantastic as usual all around. I love it. All right, does anyone have any other points they want to bring up about um, Ghost Talk about the note. Oh, I looked it up. Okay, because I was uh, curious. Yeah, yeah, no one knows what's on the note except for Rooney Mara. She forgot. She forgot. Wow. Yeah, she said in an interview that she forgot what it meant. Oh. What? Because apparently David Lowry gave her the direction to write something that means a lot to her. Uh-huh. And like she just forgot. <laughs> Which I find <laughs> really hilarious. That's something it didn't mean a lot to her if she forgot. Yeah, that's something I would you know do, it was, honestly. It was, um, it was the final scene from Joker, which Joaquin gave to her as a memento. So she just wrote out the entire it's, it's, it, actually, it actually says it's you get what you deserve. <laughs> oh my god. When I watched it, though, I just imagined, I I immediately saw it as it just saying goodbye. Yeah. Like, I thought about what it said, but I didn't really think anything else of it. I was just like, okay. Well, in the context of the movie, it's like, if I remember correctly, she says that she leaves those notes behind whenever she moves. It's kind of yeah. like, like, leave something behind the house. And I think she wrote his name on it. Like, I fully believe that she wrote his name. That on makes it. sense. Maybe. I mean, I couldn't imagine losing a loved one like that. So I think she just wanted to move on. You know, I mean, she found another husband. Well, it's implied that she found another husband. So I think it kind of makes Casey Affleck's whole like journey throughout the film almost pointless at that. Like once she realizes that, you know, everything was fruitless, you know, his wife moved on without him. Yeah. You can't forget to mention the musical score. It's, it's oh excellent. My oh, oh my god. god. I love you. That was the good. The way it combine, combines oh. with the score and the lyrics is incredible. Period. 
Yeah. I, I mean, if I could compare it to anything, I compare it to 2001. Honestly, I, w- I would compare it like an elongated version of the um of the uh the Stargate sequence from 2001: A Space Odyssey. That's as close as I could come to like describing this film. Hmm. Because it does a lot without saying much, and just kind of like it's it's fully like just make your up your own interpretation. You know, it doesn't feel the need to spoon feed you. Besides, that's that true. Time. I like movies like that that mm-hmm. don't give you closure. Oh yeah, those are the best kinds of movies, man. And I also liked how it looped in on itself, like with the time. Yeah, kind of sicko mode. Yeah, that was, that was real Christopher Nolan type crap. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad you guys all enjoyed the movie. Yes, thank you, John, yeah, for your very good. I, are we gonna give numbers now? Like, I was gonna say, are we gonna give a rating? Because it's uh, box. Sure. It is like yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I gave it a ten I, out of ten. I think it was like uh, an eight out of ten. Okay. Um, I'd probably watch it again in like a really long time. Yeah, for mm-hmm. for me, it was like a good seven because like I just I was like I rated like right after I saw like okay this is okay this is good. But now after like thinking about it over like the past like the coming week, you know, um, I think it's more of like an eight or a nine. Good, 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 cool. It's Honestly, definitely yeah. something you got to let sink in. I gave it a nine. Right. I think it's excellent. Um, I I'll I'll give it a seven vegan chocolate pies out of ten. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh yeah, vegan, right? She just, just her, like, because, vegan. just because I genuinely think I do need to rewatch it and like really really focus and try to understand more of what like just yeah just analyze it more yeah that's it's showtime story. it's showtime baby yep. with that ghost story on netflix please check it out but um yeah overall i would say that is a certified ticket snubs recommendation amen thumbs up amen all right and if you're interested to what I think today is Cam's recommendation. Stay tuned to the end to find out what we will be discussing next week. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the debate. All right. Debate today is mid-90s versus Lady Bird. A24 v A24 coming of age versus coming of age. Rayma versus Cam. Just like last time, we are going to be breaking this up into five different categories in this order. Plot and characters, acting, technical, a custom category, which today will be coming of age, and the impact of the movie. Now we will be starting with plot slash characters. I have some questions ready, but, you know, I think it would be better if you guys introduce your films, respectively. So whoever wants to take the floor. I'll go first. (laughs) I'll go first. I'm ready. Okay, I watched Lady Bird for the 7,000th time. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. For the plot, I found it very relatable, and I feel like a lot of people can find it relatable too, because, I mean, it is aimed more towards a mother-daughter relationship, but, I mean, everyone has a mother or, like, a motherly figure that they can look up to, and they've definitely probably gone through some of those things in their lives. And I think the way that friendship and family was depicted was very much accurate. But basically, the rundown of Lady Bird, it's just this chick named Lady Bird, her relationship with her mother, how she feels about where she lives, her how she's leaving for college, just stuff like that, which is pretty relatable to our lives right now, us seniors and stuff. For the plot, 
it's just her trying to find her love for where she lives and for her family and mother and friends. And she claims that she hates where she lives. And everyone does that. Everyone, quote unquote, hates where they live. But somehow everyone is still connected to where they live for the rest of their lives. And the way that it comes around full circle for Lady Bird at the end, how she realizes that she's appreciative for her mother and everything that she's done for her, it's heartbreaking and very true. And I think the friendship between Julie and Lady Bird was very accurate. You know, things get shaky and then at the end, they're best friends again. That's normally how it goes. So I actually took some notes on Timothy Chalamet in this movie. I think... The depiction of the white, edgy, woke boy is literally Kyle in this movie. And the way that he acted was spot on because we know so many people like that. Yeah, that's plot and characters for Lady Bird. Mid-90s, Rama presents. Um, Mid-90s is the debut film from the man, the myth, the legend, Jonah Hill. It basically focuses on this 13-year-old boy named Sonny. Uh, not well sonny's the name of wow i just completely messed up the name it's stevie Stevie. (laughs) (laughs) is the actor um so stevie is he's it's in the 90s he is is from los angeles he comes from a really abusive family with a single mother who does care for him and you can clearly see that she picks favorites um and supports stevie more than his abusive brother ian which is portrayed by Lucas Hedges, who's Whoa. also in Lady Bird. Um, yes. So obviously Stevie constantly feels like he's alone, especially not being able to have that familial bond or love with his family. So while he's out one day, he sees a couple of skaters who he eventually becomes really, really close with. He, I, I really love how you watch him slowly develop into the environment that the skaters have although it's probably not the best as stevie does end up doing things like drinking smoking and and fingering um a 17 year old and being a dick (laughs) that scene made me so uncomfortable yeah i i did not want to keep watching at that point it was terrible the scene was weird but um it does have some significance to it, but you watch, although that these skaters and Stevie, they all have these clashing environments and these personalities that don't really go well together. When they do start skating together, you can see that slow bond form. And Stevie, although he doesn't have anyone at his home, uh, these skaters like fuck shit, Ray in fourth grade and Ruben, they're all there for him and they all create this love and happiness for Stevie. He finally feels accepted and loved. So I guess I guess that would be my explanation of mid-90s. Yeah, but I think, can I debate against this right now? I, yeah, this is it. a I'm debate. Right okay, yes it is. I think the bad in their relationships definitely outweigh the good. Like they are always constantly arguing and fighting. And I don't know if I was friends with them and this dude gets into a giant car wreck while I say, can you please take us home? I don't think I'd be friends with him ever again or want to be associated with any of them. Well, so, you got to look at it from Stevie's context. He has literally no friends. I know he has no friends, but I mean, I think he could do a little better yeah, than that. Better. That's all I got to yeah. say. So when I first watched it, I did definitely think like, you know, when 
picture just completely like crashes the car and everything like that's awful like you know everyone keeps telling him not to but although like you can't really justify his actions like these are the only people that stevie has and he's really young to understand the situation around him and i think that a lot of his emotions for like when so when Ray is seen talking to the professional skaters and he's about to create this huge future for himself. I think that really does show that shit. like he's obviously freaked sucked. out. He he well yeah, no, he does suck. Um he freaks out. All th- it's mentioned that all of them have really, really abusive and toxic households and environments that they live in. So that comfort of all of them is what really gets them. So I guess that it's really important to remember the fact that he's intoxicated like crazy, but also the fact that like if Ray leaves, it's not going to be that same love or environment. Yeah, I guess that's kind of like Lady Bird too. She does take out her anger on a lot of things and people and it kind of messes up her relationships with her family, but then it just comes full circle again and everything is fine but the characters in Lady Bird I think they all were really portrayed well and we all know people like that in our lives that's all I gotta say for Lady Bird that kind of relates to I mean I mean I the people I'm friends with and the people I speak to like it, it does a pretty good deal of portraying them properly and I think that it is pretty raw and great on the aspect of knowing the characters like getting to know them how they are as a person and everything and trying to understand why they are the way that they are and how being with the group really impacts them as a person i just think it's really really raw and really fresh to see that because it's like you like you can you can tell that this is like how they are yeah i guess i have a question <laughs> about mid 90s oh uh, how would you qualify the criticism leveled against the film's portrayal of alcoholism, drug addiction. So at times I do think that they do glorify um, all that, but I think it's really important to remember the fact that their environment literally impacts all of this. And with the whole car accident and like just the way that the fight starts in the end, you can see that although like it is supposed to be this cool kind of thing, it shows the destruction and the danger of doing all these things. And the danger of unnecessary jump scare sound effect. <laughs> yeah, that, okay, we'll get it. We'll get to it when we do, but the editing in that one segment was so bad. Trash. It's we, so we, get, we get there think, when we do. Awful. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what y'all are talking about. I also don't know when what you're talking about. The scene where um, they get into and the car supposed to be like, yeah. Off. And all of a sudden there's just a giant jump scare sound effect. And then it just cuts to black. And then they're all like, oh my God, Stevie's heart's broken. Oh my God. Oh, oh. Yeah. I was like, that was really terrible. Mm-hmm. I know. But that. We, we get to that later. We okay, get to that later. Okay, okay, okay. That's sorry, a later sorry, discussion. Sorry. We'll get it when we get to technical. Okay. Sorry. All right. We do have some questions regarding the characters from both as well, though. I have one specific, really. So. I, I personally think that both films are very cliche-ridden, one more than the other. And I would like to know your guys' opinion on how the writing and the characters in each story try to avoid some of those cliches, or if you see them as present as I do. Do you want me to give you an example? Yes, because I don't understand the question. Okay. In Lady Bird, they pull the whole oh, I'm going to go leave my friend that's not as conventionally attractive to go hang out with the cool kids and pretend to be cool thing. 
but right. then I'm going to go hang out with my friend again and everything's going to be okay, cliche. Right. Um, do you think that that does anything to, like, affect... I don't really know how to phrase my question. Because I, I think that harms the film. Um, okay. Do you think it does as well? I don't think it does. I think it shows the power of realizing that some people you just shouldn't hang out with because, you know, they're not impacting your life in a positive way. So you realize that you need to change and go hang out with friends that'll make you actually feel good about yourself and have fun together. You know what I'm saying? And -hmm. like a lot of friendships are like that. Things get shaky. And then if you really want to reconnect with people and if you're willing to make an effort to do it, then it can be like the greatest thing you've ever done. And you act like nothing has ever changed. So Mm -hmm. that's what I think. I didn't think of it as cliche, although that does happen in like a lot of movies. I think the way it was portrayed in Lady Bird was very well. This is like a side thing with the with the uh, the categories that we're doing is I forgot. I'm sorry. Is one of them performance based or should we talk about performance? Uh, Acting is the next category, which I figured that this could have been a good opportunity to segue into it. Acting time. Acting time. I want to talk about a direct comparison we could make between the two movies in terms of acting quality, and that direct comparison's name is Lucas Hedges. Oh, yeah. I watched three movies back-to-back-to-back all with Lucas Hedges in them. So they've all blended together for me, going to be honest. But how was Lucas Hedges? How is he? How is he? That's what I want to know. And Lady Bird? I mean, I feel like he was just... Lucas Hedges. I mean, he was completely different in mid nineties though. Like I, like I said, I didn't even recognize him until he started talking. I was like, that's Lucas Hedges. What? But in Lady Bird, I think he was, he was good. I mean, he was good in mid nineties as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, I mean, I mean, I guess it's just different because it's like it's hard to debate most of it because like both of his portrayals are so completely different. As in Lady Boy, he's what he's Lady Boy, Lady Boy, Lady Boy, Lady Boy. Oh my god, Lady Boy. That's funny. That's funny. I go wait. I thought Rocky Horror was in two. I think um, you know the scene where Lady Bird and um. I honestly forgot his character's name in Lady Bird, but just ignore that. I mean, he's 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 closeted in there, right? And then it, it yeah. shows up the yeah. Like yeah. the scene of them um like just dancing in the field and running around. I feel like that was just Lucas Hedges. I thought it was very genuine and just really straightforward. So that's what I thought. I mean, so I think I mean obviously it's more darker with his character in mid nineties. And I think that's a great step from seeing Lucas Hedges being like, you know, this great kid and all that. Same with in like Moonrise Kingdom where he's this little kid, very energetic. But then when it comes to mid nineties, you finally get to see the more serious side of Lucas Hedges that not many people are able to see. And I think that was a great addition. I think he was really captivated by the role. It was definitely a hard thing to have to go through, especially knowing how much of that and angel that boy is um but i think that he did a phenomenal job really really taking that anger and investing all of his pent-up anger and just hatred for everything around the world onto stevie but then in the end you slowly see him soften up and you can see how his emotional differences with stevie and his mother really really takes a toll on him like when he starts crying you know that's that's character development baby 
Mm-hmm. Also, acting development. Anyways, I want to talk about Saoirse Ronan and Laurie Metcalf. Saoirse Ronan and Laurie Metcalf, they really pour their hearts and souls into their performance. And you can see the tension and anger in a lot of the scenes. And specifically the scene where Lady Bird just got suspended from school and she comes in the room and then lady bird was she grabs a piece of paper and says give me a number and then she's like what give me a number and i'll make this much money and give it back to you so i never have to speak to you again and then marianne just flat out says well i don't think you'll find a job good enough to make that money just straightforward it was really like whoa okay that was very realistic with how it like, was. It didn't even seem like acting. It was crazy. And I think there's an equal amount of screen time for Marion and Ladybird to see both sides of the story and both sides of their relationships and how it affects both of them. And I think that's really good. It's just heartbreaking. And I think the dialogue, it's funny. It still makes me laugh. Um, like when Lucas Hudges gets the hair curlers and says they look like sperms that made me that makes me laugh so hard that was funny it's funny good comedy found especially within the relationship between lady and her mom lady bird and her mom um when they're when she's picking out a prom dress that scene's hilarious right which is like oh do you blah 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 that's that's a funny scene i was just about to talk about that that is like when Mm. i watched that with my mom lady bird with my mom it was literally just watching us on a screen it was so crazy like how they were just nitpicking at each other and then they're like oh i love it it's crazy and the mother-daughter portrayal by both of them was spot on and mm-hmm. i think they were great performances that's yeah. all i gotta say that kind of leads into my my question about the performances is you can tell that saoirse ronan and what, what's the mom's name again uh, uh, Metcalf. all right well you can tell that they're both extremely comfortable with each other in the role it shows it adds a lot to the movie. And in mid nineties, didn't didn't Jonah Hill take like two of the characters just that have never acted before? It just yeah. kind of threw them so, the so that was gonna be one of my points. So the only people who actually are actors are um Alexa Demi, which is Este, um, Lucas Hedges, obviously Ian, and the mom, um, Catherine Watterson. Sonny mm-hmm. Soldier, it was I think it, if I'm not mistaken, it was his first um but for confirmed with um, Ryder McLaughlin, which is fourth grade, um, I think it's Gio Galicia, um, Ruben, Nicole Smith Wright, and Owen Prenat. Fuck shit. They are all a part of this skating collective called Illegal Civ. And basically, what Jonah Hill did was he went with Lucas Hedges, went to a skate park, found these people, found Illegal Civ and everything, and was like, hey, filming a movie about skating because Jonah Hill, this, a lot of the aspect of the movie does include experiences that Jonah Hill had in his life. So, yeah, most of the actors in the movie, it was their first time ever and i think considering that they're all skaters and it's a movie about skating i think that it was really easy for them to actually fit into the role really well i mean you can feel their bond since they already all know each other although it's their first time like you can tell that there's times where you they can be a little bit uncomfortable but i don't think that should really define the entire portrayal of the movie because there are so many little moments or I, I found out that, that it was their first time acting after I watched the movie because I thought the portrayal of their actor, like their characters, was pretty well. They did really well. I was, yeah. 
Yeah, um, I like one of the one of the scenes that I really was like, wow, about was what, the roof jump scene where Stevie oh, tries yeah. to jump over oh, the yeah. just really flat in pain. Um, you can see like through his facial expressions, watching all of them jump over, you can see how he slowly wants to impress them and wants to fit in. And I thought that was like brilliant in the sense, cause like, what if as a kid, like he's a kid in the movie and he's a kid as an actor, what if this was things that he had experienced? And I, it just makes you question, like, how did he incorporate all of these emotions and how did everyone incorporate all their past experience and emotions skating into their character? character in the movie right interesting yeah. um, i also have to respect jonah hill for understanding that it's easier to act than it is to skate because if he got some like actual professional actors with very little skating experience and it just he would have had to use too many doubles or just literally, it wouldn't be anyone i literally think it's so brilliant uh, granted illegal civ is a young production for actors and actresses but like the fact that they incorporate skating knowing that it's really big thing in pop culture that's like genuinely growing and this isn't biased because i do skate um (laughs) (laughs) but but i just i think it just really hit home because knowing what kind of position that they're in and knowing how it is like if jonah hill came up to me and was like hey you want to act like i would be very very scared like what am i supposed to do all i know i'm supposed to portray the skater not really know what to do but you can you can see how well they fit into their character also like yeah the synergy between each other was very good you can tell that they had a life before the film started you can really tell they were they've been friends for years and then like stevie's just seeing this pre-established friend group not as the beginning of something new but like as something he's just kind of coming upon many years in the making right any questions is it technical time technical time all right i had a question for both of you guys i remember noticing it more in one movie than the other but i want to know what your guys thoughts on it how do you guys feel the soundtrack of the movies impacted it I love the soundtrack for ladybird but really okay i think it the soundtrack for Ladybird stuck with me more because I do listen to that old stuff like all the time. Like this eve of parting when we see Marianne driving. I think that's beautiful. I listen to that when I drive and it makes me feel like I'm in a movie. And it's such a heartbreaking song. You really just have to listen to the soundtrack outside of the movie to understand the emotions that the characters are feeling. So I, I really like the soundtrack for Ladybird. It sets the mood in a lot of ways. Do you think it's integral to the identity of the film? For Ladybird, um, yeah, I mean the lyrics. If you listen to the lyrics, they kind of stick with the film too. They correlate in ways. Did Ladybird have an original score? Yes. Because I, I don't remember it at all. <laughs> it did. Um, I watched the interview again last night with Greta Gerwig, and her and the composer would pull all nighters and just work at nighttime because that's the only because he was nocturnal. So he mm. would just be up all night making music for the film. I love the soundtrack from mid-90s also because like a lot of the songs is in my skating playlist. Um, a, a lot of it is just very chill back and everything. But obviously when it's like, you know, intense moments, they'll have intense music. Um, but I think that it really just plays great part in the fact that you know they're just chilled back they're trying to enjoy their life the best that they can and a lot of the music does 
fit in with that type of environment, I feel felt like it was very, very necessary. Like it was essential that these songs were a part of the movie because it show it you you can you can feel the the atmosphere of what they're going through. The movie does a fantastic job of creating the feel of the '90s from the way it's shot to just the music and everything, like you said, yes. like the opening scene yes. where they're in the restaurant. I could swear it's just taken out of a 90s like yes. TV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Most of the movie soundtrack is from the 90s, which is like, wow, like that's great. Because it's like, you know, it, it really does make you feel like you're there with them. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I'll admit that it literally looked just like a 90s movie. Yeah, even the aspect ratio definitely have helped. Yeah, oh, sixteen millimeter nice. really sells it because it looks like it's like something like fourth grade would actually shoot, you know, with mm-hmm. the camera. Yeah, I thought that too. Yes, yes, yes. So the ending, the end scene where it's the skating video, um, obviously in the nineties. It it is it plays um, it it, it plays oh is it homage homage yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, I don't, I don't want to pronounce it wrong. It, it plays great. Oh, oh, eh, oh my. <laughs> to, to skating videos because like that is what a skating video is. It's authentic. It's yeah, the fish eye. It shows, it shows, it shows how lighthearted they all are. It shows their connection. It shows the fuck ups that they have when they're skating. It shows the accomplishments that they have. It's just energetic, and the fact that they show it when Stevie is like in this critical condition, and you. You feel like you feel like their friendship is over, but that movie ties it all together when you see all of them waiting there, even fuck shit, knowing that he did all of that and he had this entire power throughout this entire thing. And then you just see their bond slowly growing and like, you know, that Stevie regardless cares for them and that they all care for each other, no matter how much they act like they don't. Okay. I thought the music in mid 90s from Trent Reznor is always like. Everything he makes is really good, and the score for mid '90s was really good. But I felt like it was used extremely inappropriately at times, especially yeah. like towards the end when it's him and um, I can't remember the guy's name. Was Sonny and the guys? I don't remember his name. But they're sitting like um, right before more. His name was Ray. Yeah, when when they're talking and they're like, "Let's go skating," blah blah blah, and it's playing that whole time when he's like, "Oh, you got to grow up, you got to learn what it's like to be an adult," kind of thing. I thought it was used extremely inappropriately there. I would have liked that scene so much more without music. I thought it would have been a lot more impactful. That's all I have to say about the the score. That's really yeah. I agree for the most part, except like, I mean, I love Trent uh, Reznor, Atticus Ross. I mean, I love everything they do with David Fincher and et cetera. I just thought it was really forgettable in mid '90s because it is overshadowed, like. It's not even over. It's eclipsed by the licensed music. When you give me a piece of like the score and ask me to identify what movie that's from, I couldn't tell you. But if you give me, like, I couldn't a- either. I didn't even know there was a score until y'all started talking about it. I didn't know about Because like, probably be like that's mid nineties. Yeah, the other music was so loud over it. I I didn't even think that there was a score. I didn't even care to listen or think mm-hmm. to listen, honestly. Wait, so wait, I'm confused. Like, can I clarify what you guys like, like the background noises to like the actual soundtrack or like, like, like the instrumental the soundtrack of the licensed music? Well, I think, I think that it, I think the most of it was just to show how like lighthearted their emotions are. How it just, it's just, I feel like it's just, I, f- so it, it's maybe this is just me. I don't know, but like for every single thing in my life, I feel like there's always just a soundtrack for everyone and every moment. And me so too. I feel like I me feel too. Like 
those those moments of just where the music really takes over i feel like it just encapsulates what the in energy what the vibes are are, you know okay i can relate to that yeah Mm -hmm. i think it really i think it really just encapsulate and like you you can obviously focus on it but like i think the music really like especially if it's music that they're listening to while they're skating or driving or something it feels like you're in the car with them it feels like you're skating with them it's like it's like present day time so I think that the the whole audio being loud and everything it can be distracting, but I think it's it's raw. It's it's there. It's in your face. You're there with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I talk about the cinematography really quick for Lacey? really quick, really quick? Last comment, and then we're moving okay. on. I really want to talk about the scene where Lady Bird and Julie are holding each other in their in each other's arms at prom, just swaying to the music and dancing. They literally wanted nothing to do with each other before that happened. And then they just reconnected like that. And I think that's beautiful and awesome. And when Lady Bird is driving around Sacramento for the first time and we see all just the plain buildings that you'll see in your everyday life, only like you can see that as beautiful and i think that was captured brilliantly in those scenes and just everyday things seen as beautiful i think that's cool can i just so, add yeah. on that scene i've been thinking about that scene that, that was probably like one of the scenes that really stuck with me from that movie especially the part when she's driving the camera's in the passenger seat and it's a jump right. cut between her and her mom right i thought that right. was like that that makes me cry honestly that was i i, I found that to be like that was really impactful I think the one of the most beautiful scenes for me was after um, Ray does speak to Stevie, they end up going skating and you can see the sunset and like how busy the street is. And like, I think although it's supposed to just show how the skating is like really impactful to them, I think it really does highlight like the emotional climax of the movie. And I just, I the minimal lighting and like, the way the camera work is like, again, like, as you guys said that it really does show like it's from the nineties. It's like an independent movie of the nineties, whatever. Um, But I think it's just, you feel more at ease when you see them skate. You can feel their stress and struggles slowly come off their back. All right. Okay. So are we doing four now? So we're talking about the, the coming of age aspect. Also, also, if you guys have questions, you remember how I just asked questions right in? That oh yeah, I have, really- I have, I have a conversation starter okay. questions written down. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'll talk about the coming of age for Lady Bird. Between Lady Bird and Edge of Seventeen, I think those like this is the closest you will ever see as an accurate depiction of a teen's life because it really touches on everything. And it's cool how Greta Gerwig explains how this movie was actually inspired by her own youth, which I could not expect at all. I, I didn't see that, but it's cool how that happens. And I just feel like a lot more people can relate to Lady Bird more than they can with mid-90s. And it just, it's really entertaining in like a heartbreaking way all in one. It, it gave me every emotion at once, Lady Bird did. So I think that's perfect for a coming of age film. A lot of the things that I've noticed is criticism of not like liking mid 90s is because like skate movie, blah, 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 blah. 
I like I like skate movies. I just I, hated I hated mid nineties. Oh, okay, bitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that people really ignore the fact that like when I met like my group of friends who skate and stuff, it was kind of like I kind of understood where Stevie was coming from. Like, I don't have the greatest background, but I do have. I, I do have a family. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not abusive, but it's like, you know, a lot of the times it's really hard to feel like it, a lot of the times it feels like I'm alone. So when I did find a group of skaters, like my, my skate group, I guess it just felt really like they were just so laid back and chill. And so I guess that like, when it comes to coming of age, like for me and a lot of the people that I do know who watched the movie, they completely understood the environment of what gate environment is like. I mean, like some people, we, we just like don't care. Like we don't care. Like you do you like we're going to skate. Skating is just like it really just captivates you. It really like takes all that stress away because you're focused on just gliding and looking at everything around you and like it's different for everyone but like watching that friendship bond and seeing this kid who comes from such an abusive family and goes like especially the scene where he tries like strangling himself with the nintendo cord like you can feel how stressful it is to be living in that household but then when he's with his group of friends, you can see the happiness and the comfort he finds within them. And I think it's like, you know, like there's always going to be that group of people that is always going to be there for you, whether it be you guys are have, have a serious connection or not. Right. I love, I, I love, I love, I love after everything. She's like, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, 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 I love it. I literally hated the part where he just screamed at his mom Ladybird does the same thing, but what he did is very edgy of him. Like, bro, shut up, shut up. I mean, he's literally a, an 11 year old boy. Like, I that's. He's 13, number one. Number two, he comes from an abusive family. Number three, you don't know who, like, he doesn't know who he can trust. And the only time he finds comfort and safety is, is screaming at his mom. And no, with his group of friends. So when he does yell at his mom, you can understand the frustration that he has not being able to have that stable environment and happiness with a family that should be provided. I'm with his mommy. Well, I like I maybe I'm just upset because like I like ha- have been in his spot where I scream like that. Me too, but my God, he didn't stop. Like, shut up. Because how do you not? I don't understand how you don't. You don't. Literally, I can say the same thing about Sorsha Ronan because she's the entire time she's just like it's kind of. It's just you can feel his frustration. I don't understand. You can feel oh, Ladybirds too. It can, yes, you can feel it, but like to to undermine this little kid screaming at the top of his. It was voice, annoying. It was annoying because you don't like kids. Uh, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But stick to the reasoning. Fine. To the reasoning. I have a question. Oh, he- uh, okay, first to an offer: Lucas Hedges or Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a joke. Who's gonna be the first to an Oscar? Lucas Hedges or Saoirse Ronan? Who's gonna be the first to get an Oscar? Lucas Hedges or Saoirse Ronan? 
I don't know. I feel like Search is constantly eating Sersha. snob. Search is better. Snub, man. Bro. Seriously, she keeps getting snubbed. It's annoying. She's, She's a great actress. She was just so beautiful at the Oscars. She was. She did. She's mm -hmm. a queen. She's a queen. All okay, right. Impact. Do we have any other comments before we move on? Or uh, no. Impact. Okay, uh, so Impact, I have a question that I feel like we can use to just kind of focus in this conversation for our last section. Since both films, obviously, I think tw they both came out 2018 or 2017 and 2018. They came up like within months of each other. Okay, yeah. So what effects do you guys think that each movie respectively will have on the future of coming-of-age films? Um, for, for Lady Bird, I think there will be more like m both sides of the story, like mother, daughter we see both sides and what their relationships are and how it affects them. Kind of like I was talking about earlier, I see more mother-daughter relationship movies in the future or mother-son. I mean, it can go both ways because everyone has a mother. Oh. Mm -hmm. We hope you do. Yes. That'd be kind of weird if you didn't. Like, how would you get here? Test tube. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... I mean, a common theme, obviously, just within movies is a friend, like the power of friendship, which is obviously highlighted in mid nineties. Um, and Lady Bird, oh, I, and Lady Bird, yes, but I think Lady Bird also does mention more. It, it does highlight more the fact that, like, you know, mommy issues. Um, right. But, but I think that I, I'm I'm not sure if mid nineties is like an underrated movie or not. Compare, I mean, compared to Lady Bird, it definitely is. Well, yeah, because Lady Bird yeah. had Oscar buzz. It was nominated for Best yes, Pick. but well, the like, film, indie film, whatnot. Um, I do think that a lot of the coming of age and, like, the impact it's going to have just kind of just shows the lightheartedness and how just, like, I think it just gives sounds weird but gives an opportunity to showcase what skating does and just the environment but i think that you can see the friendship and the impact that people have on your life whether it be like how cv tried hurting himself when his brother you know did all that caused that much torment and trauma in his life but then as soon as he's with the entire group you can see how he does he like he kind of lets all that dissipate and he just feels safe with them and then at the party, I'm gonna ignore the fact that what happened at that party happened. Yeah, absolutely nothing happened. At that party. Nothing happened at the party. We're all nothing in agreement here. Like I hated that party. Nothing happened. I don't know why you hated. After that party, when he's like, "Guys, can you never guess what happened?" Like that was so cringy. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, it okay. Was... I have to disagree. That was actually a pretty nice moment between them, despite the context of what he's freaking out yes, about. Yes, yes. Just like his his emotion is is very. Yes, he's so excited. He's finally accepted. They're all, all finally. Yeah, yeah, like you know, he's like he got because he, got he literally cat. did it. Cat. He literally did it with an overage girl. Like I just she find that so. I think so. I think it was still legal. No. 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 Stop trying to justify it. Yeah. Trying to justify it is just like everyone's like illegal, but like, um. <laughs> I think that's just a weird way to connect with people. It, it's it's unusual. I'll say that it's you know you don't see a thirteen year old kid 
Um, get it out fingering. Um, you know, whatever happened, happened. Yeah, did I miss out on um, I think it just also shows a more, I guess, realistic type of friendship. Maybe also because it has it is a lot like my friendship, other than the fact that like you know, get a car crash. But um, I hope that never happens. Thank Congrats you. I hope that never <laughs> yeah, that would not be fun. The whole friendship and just seeing everything dissipate and just having that thing that you can do with everyone it made me very very warm my heart especially the end where they're all together and just also lucas had just giving that orange juice that was cute i my the impact i think that's gonna have boost in orange juice sales because my god why was he carrying it around in his pocket not (laughs) oh my god i love sunny b that's some slap all right, but, so I think now it's time for the moderator just to jump in and give our final statements to see who won this wonderful battle. I definitely think Cam won. Yeah, we'll go by category by category. Uh, yeah, all right. Yep. I'll, I'll go on with plot and characters. Barring my own person's uh, opinions on both films, I think you both did a good job of explaining how the characters of each film impact and benefit the meaning of each film, respectively. But um, just to keep it short, <laughs> I think Cam did a better job of, of explaining how Lady Bird's characters flesh out not only one another, but also the plot of the film and the meaning of the film. Thank you. I'm going to jump in so I don't have to be the last one to go. I am going to disagree and say mid-90s solely because I think near the end, we mentioned, someone mentioned the uh, the cliches. I think John mentioned it. And that kind of yeah. just stuck with me that it was the whole best friend left her for prettier. And it, it just, mid-90s was less conventional and it had like a more original crew of characters that I just think were more interesting. Nothing against the movie, obviously. I love Lady Bird. I love both these movies, but I just, I feel like the characters were more intriguing. Yeah. Understandable. John? Yeah, I I agree with PJ. I'm going to have to go with mid-90s for the first category. Shoot! Um, You guys both did really good, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of both of you. It was Thank you. Acting. Um, this one. Sorry, I gotta go with Lady Bird on this one. Like, you just can't beat Saoirse. Thank you. Just to elaborate on that, because I don't, I don't want to leave it like you know, you just can't beat Saoirse. But I think that the chemistry between Saoirse and Laurie Metcalf was absolutely fantastic, and right. and very realistic, and very well written, and very well portrayed. Right. Also, you know, Beanie Fieldstein was great. Uh, Jonah Hill. I love her. By the way. She was great, yeah. too, as a supporting character. It's kind of like the prelude to Booksmart, where she really, like, went ham on it. Yeah, it re- but, it literally reminds me of me and my friend. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I thought all those performances were great. Timothy Chalamet as this very, like, emotionally unavailable, super edgy. Oh, dude, my God, Timothy Chalamet is so was, beautiful. I okay, like he was just okay. playing himself there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly. I think that I was attracted to it significantly because of personal reasons, but... Um, but um, no, no, oh, but yeah. Timothy Chalamet, is, he did really good for the part he was given. Um, it's really, like, it's like, there's really nothing else. So the part just like, oh, I, I soak around and I, like, you know, I hook up, that's it. And Lucas yeah, mentioned, I hate I mean, the he government. Tried, that's I think what he, he does. did a good job of doing of like portraying the emotional vulnerability of somebody who's like on the cusp of coming out but still wants to like you know hang on to that thread of maybe i still like girls or you know and and also like how that plays into ladybirds own like emotional you know getting dragged around uh sense i don't really know how to word it but like you relatable can, you feel that lucas hedges feels really bad for dragging around ladybird into his own baggage yeah 
So I thought that the acting was superior in Lady Bird than in mid-90s. They're all great in mid-90s, but I just think you can tell that they're skaters first and actors second in a lot of scenes. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I, I've been, I take notes during the debate, and I was also going to go with Lady Bird for basically the first point Andres brought up, the idea of the, like, the perfection of the mother-daughter bond. Like, that, I just felt like that that was something. That was an, like, that was the movie, and just the chemistry between the two was so there and then john, john. <laughs> i i agree with uh cam with lady bird for this one thank you i feel the same yep all right lady bird we all, all right. we all love sir sharona and hate jonah hill we hate jonah i, hill. I, I love jonah hill he's such a nice guy jonah hill's cool no no yeah. yes i'm joking oh wait like, you know he had a lot of insecurity issues but, i'm know. just joshing yeah. i'm just i'm just playing all right number three technical um this one's a tough one i i'm like i'm still going back and forth on it in my head right now i gotta give this one to Rayma with mid 90s because i just i love how she fleshed out um how the aesthetic of the 90s the aesthetic of that time period really really fleshes out not only the characters of the film but also the themes of the film of coming of age and really growing up and finding your place in the world yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, really with the soundtrack and the cinematography, like the 60 millimeter, as well as the licensed music of that oh, time period, really like, accentuates that, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I was, like, I really want to choose Lady Bird because I genuinely, I really hate that car crash scene. Oh, that was it awful. Was- but mid 90s just has an aesthetic to it. That Lady Bird just, it, I mean, it does to an extent, but it, it's just not as strong as mid-90s has, you know? Yeah, like looking at Lady Bird, I couldn't tell you that it took place in the early 2000s, right? But yeah. like if I just look at a frame of, of mid-90s, I could be like, that's the 90s. Just by the way they dress, um, like the grain on the film, the noise in the film is, yeah. I agree. John. I agree with everything that you guys said, and I am also going to go with Rayma on mid-90s here. Dang it! This is this is back and forth. This is intense. I know. I know. This is what happens. <laughs> this, is, this is yeah. All right. Uh, the custom, um, the coming of age I, concept. All right, I'll start it then. Uh, okay, so custom, the coming of age aspect. With this one, I gotta go with Cam's argument with Lady Bird because, I I mean, as says before with characters and acting, is that just the coming of age with Lady Bird wanting like initially hating Sacramento and like wanting to go to New York. I don't know why she would, but yeah, so, <laughs> I thought that conflict was very central to the film and also something that I think more people can relate to. Right. Because everyone hates where they live. Everyone hates their mom, right? <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but yeah, everyone has that sense eventually, like by the time they're 16 or 17, like I, I, I just want to move out of of like this area that I'm in because this is same old, same old, right? Yeah. Then you realize that. It was actually a pretty good place. So I think that the coming of age aspect of um, of Lady Bird was much more accessible and much more universal, even to a fault at times. So that's why I think it had a better coming of age aspect than mid nineties. Mid nineties was like if you're a skater dude, you're gonna love mid nineties. But oh, I no, think she went to Columbia. I'm pretty sure it was Columbia. Columbia. No, she got wasted from Columbia. I think it was. Yeah, then she got in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was Columbia. All right. Um, uh, yeah, go. Yeah, it's gonna be really shocking, but I I'm gonna have to agree with Andreas again. I just I 
I don't know. Yeah. I really can't think of anything different to say than what he's just said. <laughs> it oh sucks. God, uh, that's how oh powerful God. I am. <laughs> John. Uh, yeah, no, Lady Bird 100% is the much more <laughs> and going to be like. <laughs> Rima, I'm so sorry. Did you just say Rima? No. <laughs> Rip. Did you just um, say Rima? No. Okay. Okay, next. All right. Finally, the impact of mid 90s. I already know. Um, okay. Um, all right. Impact. I think with both films, they both made very good arguments, but I think the ultimate aspect to take away from both films is, is just greater honesty in filmmaking, greater honesty, depicting this coming of age story. So with that, I got to go with mid nineties having the better impact. <gasps> really? Uh, yeah. Because Ooh. I think Rayma did a really good job explaining it. And also I think that with, the content in mid '90s, it wouldn't have been made in the '90s. They use very, very politically incorrect language. Yeah, and I think that also helps because even Jonah Hill was very scared to include that language when the film first came out. But he essentially reasoned that if he edited it or changed the script, then it just wouldn't be accurate to the time because that's how kids spoke in the '90s, and even now some kids still speak like that. So I think which is gross. The, like, depicting the '90s as is. Is something that really helps to move forward this coming of age story because instead of glamorizing the time period, it really takes everything, you know, warts and all. So yeah, that's what I that's what I think. Hmm. All right. I ain't even gonna lie. I'm shocked that you chose Midnight. I yeah, I, th- I thought he was gonna go Ladybird. I really did no, think you were gonna I, go Ladybird. In terms of impact, Ladybird is. It, I I personally think it's the better film, but I think in terms of impact, I, it's been done before. I'm done as unflinchingly and as fearlessly as mid nineties. And I, I get that, but I'm, I mean, I'm going with Ladybird. I feel like it's the, it's just, I think I, I wrote it down as a note to paraphrase what Cam was saying. And then she literally said it, the idea that it's showing, like you literally said, I think word for word, it's showing both sides of the argument. It is. And that's something that I feel like, I mean, from the coming-of-age movies that I've seen, at least, is an, a, a fairly new perspective or a fresh perspective that right. just in adds most, so much to the emotional impact of the movie. And Yeah, in most normal, everyday coming-of-age movies, you just see the teens' side and what they're going through, never the parents or anything. Yeah, so. and the parents is just boiled down to, I just want what's best for you, honey. Right. But this one, Thanks. it's just like, it's just chef's kiss you know thank you all right john john this one's up to you <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know I like being the last this is cool okay so. <laughs> i think i was the last last time yes and i remember you hating it <laughs> yeah so i hate to be the guy but we're gonna go drum roll, whatever. It's suspense. Oh my god. Roll. I think that Cam did a better job of explaining the impact that Ladybird has on screenwriting as a whole when it comes to coming of age stories, like PJ was just saying. And me, even just me personally, I really didn't take much out of mid nineties at all. Whereas Ladybird, I can constantly think of the last half hour of that film as just 
being extremely impactful and relatable and pretty good. I think that's literally um, what I wrote in my letterbox review. I think I said the last 20 yeah. minutes. Whoa, boy. Yeah. Um, I, I do think Lady Bird is the better film overall. And I think the yeah. argument of coming of age and the impact of the coming of age goes to Cam. So that's going to be me. Thank you. All right. So can I, can I make a comment quickly? Do, would you like to make a comment? Sure. I love both movies. I talk smack about Lady Bird just because uh, it every single aspect of that, literally every single aspect it's of that too relatable. has happened to me several times and it it stresses me out but i think for people who look forward to watching either of the movies if you're looking for a more relatable but emotional like emotionally impacting movie definitely watch ladybird but if you want to watch a movie that can be serious but very very lighthearted at the same time it would be mid 90s i agree uh, yeah that's I, I that's a fair statement I mean, yeah. Lady Bird, six out of ten. Mid nineties, five out of ten. Wow. Jesus. Those are my ratings for both of them. Okay, YMS, calm down. Does not like any movies except for like Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Whoa, that's almost like that's like that's almost like that's on the next episode or something. Whoa. That's almost like next episode is John versus Andreas. Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind versus The Master. Romance the movie. I have to watch the master. I have to watch both of them. I've never seen the master. But um, yeah. um, So guys, uh, decide in the comments who won, but don't don't fight each other. This is all for fun. Yes, this is for fun. Wait, who won though? Oh yeah, wait. I was about to go over that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So plot and characters went to mid nineties. Acting went to Lady Bird. Technical went to mid nineties. Wait, plot characters went to Lady Bird, right? Plot characters went said. to mid nineties. Uh, okay. Acting Wait, went to is- Ladybird. Acting went to Ladybird. Really? Yes. I done forgot. Technical okay. went to mid nineties, and then Impact and Coming of Age both went to Ladybird. So clutching three to two is Ladybird. Wow. Good job, Cam. Cam, Cam really good. This job, is just Cam. our opinion. Good job. Nice debate. <laughs> Very good. Cam is like, Cam is like, good job. Below. You suck. No, that is not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And everybody. with that, this is the promised part. Cam, what is your recommendation for next week's episode? I'm excited. Next week's episode, we will be discussing Lost Highway by David Lynch. Uh, I knew it was going to be David Lynch. Uh huh. Sorry. Take a, take a shot every time Cam mentions David Lynch. But you would, don't you if would you're dead. below yeah. 21 years old. Dude, you'd be dead, literally. Okay, Lost Highway, it is just a roller coaster. But I feel like it's one of David Lynch's most understandable films. And I honestly like it more than Mulholland Drive. Is this the Nick Cage one? No, that's Wild at Heart. I watched that one the other night. That one was just bonkers. But Lost Highway, it is... It's a lot, but it's it spooked me. It freaked me out, guys. It had me looking over my shoulder a little bit because I was scared. Oh. But um, yeah, I don't know where you would watch that on any streaming platforms. So you're probably just going to have to. We're probably going to have to rent it illegally rent it. and pay money. Yeah, that is what we will do. Rent it. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, Lost Highway by David Lynch. All right. Cool. I'm excited for y'all to watch it. 
And just a reminder again, next week's episode is The Master versus The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Andreas will be making his debut in the debate ring, finally. Be going up against previous winner, John. Yay! I love you, John. (laughs) All right. And I believe with that, we're all done for this episode. Any comments before we wrap things up? Ray, the black guy, he's actually a part of Odd Future, if no one knew him. He, I knew he looked familiar. I knew yeah, he looked he's, familiar. He's odd future, yeah. Oh, one of his songs came on my shuffle today. It was a. I think they did something with Tyler the yeah. Creator. Yeah, yeah. Odd oh, Futures, yeah. you know, Tyler the Creator. Also, Rayma, I'm sorry I called you Rima earlier. I was looking at the screen. No, and no, it no, said, no, 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 no. It's okay. It said Reem. And my brain said Rima. No, I, honey. I pulled the silly. I really don't care anymore. I really don't I, care. It's, I pulled the silly. It's not the worst thing I've heard. It's okay, brother. Yeah, I hope you guys like The Master and Eternal Sunshine because The Master is like one of the best acted movies you'll like ever see. And then Eternal uh, Sunshine is just. I'm so very good. excited. Okay, friend, I watched the Eternal episode. Sunshine of a Spotless Mind because Andres kept forcing me to watch it. And it's I watched too relatable. It. I watched it when I was going through a crippling, like, weird half breakup thing and I literally wanted to die. I'm very excited to experience these. Anyways, we'll save that discussion for next time. So thank you all for watching and listening and giving us your time. Mm -hmm. Um, Please comment down below what you think of the movie. And um, just stay safe and and love each other. Yeah, that's true. And with that, to quote the 1989 film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I love this. I it love seems this. to me the only thing you've learned is that Caesar is a salad dressing, dude. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you guys um, next time. Be excellent. Bye. Goodbye.